Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost in another sporadically scheduled Steelers Outpost session. Thank you for everybody who listens to the podcast. Sorry for how randomly they come out at times here, but we've had a lot of busy stuff going on in our lives, and we just can't let go of the Steelers Outpost Podcast because we are afflicted with some sort of degenerative football obsession disease. So we got things to talk about and we did just hit, I believe our 300th episode. So pumped about that and uh, keeping the boat rolling here. Cause there's a lot to talk about until maybe another day when we can get on a more consistent schedule. The biggest thing is, Bud Dupree is not a stealer. It didn't happen. They couldn't get it done. Bud Dupree, former first round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelmen, the guy who played with basically, you know, nine of ten muscles. Let's say if the let's just distill the body's many muscles down into ten, just for the sake of the the discussion here. I don't think there was ever a season Bud played in his first three or four years where he had all ten of the muscles. Usually, one of them was ripped off of the bone completely, and the man still played through it. Did he play well? No, not for a first round pick. He was okay. But coming off of Jarvis Jones, who unfortunately was perhaps the least successful first-round draft pick of the last 30 years in a Steelers uniform, which made matters worse given the fact that he played edge rusher, which is sort of the sacred Steelers position. You could say edge rusher, safety, quarterback, running back. Well, it didn't work out for Jones. And so the Steelers draft Bud Dupree, an athletic freak, of a favorite of the Steelers. Steelers want to draft athletic freaks. And he had a slow start to his career, but I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for all the substantial injuries he battled through until TJ Watt came into his own, which of course helped Bud Dupree uh, sort of break out. But then again, we talked about it over and over again on the podcast. Bud Dupree wasn't just benefiting from TJ Watt. He was beating the man in front of him in embarrassing and impressive ways, embarrassing for the other guy. Then he went to Tennessee and just was injured over and over and over again. So we've talked about him getting added to the Steelers this offseason because his talent level is excellent. And you wonder if he's a backup, if he's the third edge rusher, which happens to be one of the highest, most critical needs for the Steelers at the moment, given the fact that they don't have a playable third edge rusher, but behind the two superstars, TJ Watt, and Alex Highsmith, star player in his own right, and those guys play way too many snaps, the Steelers thought, and Steelers fans, hell, let's wind the clock back. Let's do a classic Steelers move and get a a former player 
back after it didn't really work out on his prior team. And maybe if Bud isn't playing more than, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game, then he'll be able to stay healthy. But alas, the world will never know because the Atlanta Falcons signed him and every other defensive free agent in the NFL this year to a one-year contract. Rumor has it that the Steelers were looking probably for more of a two-year contract so they could spread out the money hit, which is understandable. Sounds like they couldn't come to an agreement, so that is a bummer. Bud Dupree will join a large cast of characters on the Atlanta Falcons who are a pretty boring team, but silently maybe building something pretty cool down there and in the worst division in the history of organized sports, the NFC South. Now, I don't think Bud necessarily is going to be a huge part of that, but it is disappointing that the Steelers missed out on him because that probably, probably updates our draft philosophy and our draft talk on the podcast. They may need to take an edge rusher a little bit earlier than people expect in this draft because there is just so much riding on TJ Watt being healthy, which has, has not been a consistent occurrence and Alex Highsmith, who's been an absolute warrior, but there's so much, so much of the defense relies on them being in the game, you know, Minka. And if one of them goes down, you're very screwed. If they are unable to sign Alex Highsmith after this year, we're all going to anticipate he's going to have another awesome year. Well, they weren't able to sign Bud. And yes, there were, it was a different salary cap situation. I mean, tremendously different. You had a lot more high-paid guys on the team, let alone high-paid quarterback and Ben. And you had Stephon Tuitt still on the books. So hopefully history doesn't repeat itself. But you are going to need an edge rusher in the event that you don't keep Alex Highsmith because we've seen what a difference he's made in the defense and how much of the Steelers defense is predicated upon edge rushers and getting pressure and getting big plays. doesn't matter how much the Steelers defense changes philosophically or schematically over the years. They still want star edge rushers. So if you look at that, you, you might have to hedge against the Alex Highsmith thing. You might have to protect yourself, God forbid, if those guys miss a game or two during the year in an incredibly tight AFC race. And then furthermore, you could help ensure, hopefully, the health of those guys, TJ and Alex Highsmith, if you had a usable rotational player at edge rusher. So for all those reasons, I don't think the Steelers are going to draft an edge rusher in the first round or this the early second round, but I think you could see it within the first three, definitely within the first four picks. So what do they got? 17, 32, they got another second, and they got a third. One of those picks, I I wouldn't be shocked if it's an edge rusher. And good news is it's a pretty incredible edge rusher class. So I'm not totally familiar with the second, third, fourth round guys as much, but I do know it's a very deep edge class, and that could bode well for the Steelers. When it's a good edge class... When it's a good quarterback class, that quarterback thing, that is very much up to debate, up for debate this year. Those are generally good things uh, to help <laughs> players slide for the Steelers in the first round, which we hope happens. But also it can be a good thing we need to nab an edge rusher. I want to say TJ Watt it was like the seventh edge rusher draft in the first round that year. That was crazy. But it does happen every once in a while. So bummer that they weren't able to get Bud. I feel like that would have been a perfect fit, although I'd be lying if – 
I said I didn't have any worry about it, given the fact that the guy's played in the NFL for what, like six years, maybe seven years. He's been hurt pretty much every single year. So I don't know if the reduced snaps would have changed that or not, but he would be the kind of guy you would want as that that backup. Just physical freak, awesome against the run, can get some pass rush snaps, is super familiar with Pittsburgh, the defense, and just has great chemistry and camaraderie with the guys on the team, especially TJ. And I think that goes a long way. So bummer that they didn't get him, but that bummer has a silver lining because they did get punter Braden Mann from the New York Jets. So the yearly competition at punter continues. Hard for me to get excited about this. If you look at his numbers, they're better than Presley Harvin's. But I don't know if anybody's numbers are worse than Presley Harvin's. So once again, you know, make of it what you will. They simply can't roll out Presley Harvin the way they did last year. And I want to say that bringing in another punter is a good sign that they realize that. But I kind of feel like they do this all the time, every summer with their punters. Whether it was Jordan Berry or even Brad Wing or whatever it happened to be. They always bring in another guy and it seems like they stick with their dude. And um, I hope that Presley Harvin figures it out. Or I hope that Braden Mann actually ends up being the better punter and you just get some consistency from that position. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It sort of seems like a punter is good or bad pretty earlier in their career. And I don't know how much better they, they do get, but I don't know. Obviously, you can, you can get better. But uh, punter, sneaky important position for the Steelers. So nice to see that they at least brought someone in. And just impressive to see how many holes the Steelers have filled preemptively before the draft, which is in about two weeks now. So getting that punter in is a big deal. And additionally, they got some depth of defensive line with Armand Watts. Vikings six-round pick in 2019, started 12 games for the Bears in 2022, which is good because I think the Bears gave up more yards than any other team has given up just cumulatively in the history of the the NFL. I think the Bears gave up more yards last year than the rest of the NFL combined. So it's nice that we've rescued Watts out of that situation. Um, Look, he's had some productivity. Once again, you're you're only going to get so much when it comes to free agents at this point of the process, but they know they desperately need depth at defensive tackle, which is another position that could be I don't know if we'd categorize it as a surprise, but if they don't get a defensive tackle within those first four picks, I'll be pretty pretty shocked. They signed Larry Ogunjobi, who's coming off of some injury histories, uh, injury history issues, I guess is what I was getting at there. Obviously, they rely on Cam a ton. Those are some older guys. They really need to start refilling the pipeline. I saw Alex Kazora talking on Twitter the other day, maybe a couple other guys about DeMarvin Leal who they drafted in the third last year. A popular pick by draftniks and pundits alike saying that this guy has some freak potential, but he is a bit of a tweener. Is he an edge rusher? He's a little too big for edge rusher, a little too small for defensive tackle. And I saw Kazora kind of saying, hey, he's a situational pass rusher guy. And when I see that, it almost feels disappointing because you're thinking, we we need to replenish the defensive line. You need a Cam Hayward, I mean, obviously every team needs a Cam Cam Hayward, but I mean, a big guy who can play three downs. 
not necessarily have a Hall of Fame career like Cam Hayward has definitively had by this point. But uh, weird to see that there's a situational pass rusher. Well, not really. It's not that weird because the model truly should be a model the Steelers haven't had in ages, which is you need six playable defensive interior linemen who rush in and out or rotate in and out and having a, a bona fide sort of pass rush specialist that might be a little too dramatic, but having a bona fide pass rusher in that group, that's awesome. He, he, he could be a very valuable component of the team, but his value is diminished until you get other guys who can play three downs and until you really fill that cupboard. So I would say wait and see on him, but Armand Watts, they're, they're making efforts to solidify position groups before the draft so that they're not completely backed into the corner the way they might already be with safety when they really only have two playable guys in the roster. So good to see. Uh, speaking of safeties, they got safety linebacker Tanner Muse. Uh, he was a third-round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020 and released in 2021 without ever playing a snap for the Raiders. Third-round pick, though, so you know the Steelers love pedigree. For the Seahawks, he played six games in 2021 and all 17 games in 2022, mostly on special teams. So that's where you could look for some impact there. Six foot two, 227 pound Muse was a safety at Clemson. Let's see him mess people up. That'd be great. So I'm seeing the last thing we got on our rundown here regarding the Steelmen would be RG3 talking crap to Ben. I think we can pretty much leave it at that, right? RG3? Guy who ran himself out of the league. Guy who was gifted to play for Kyle Shanahan in his first year. Remembering that Sean McVay, LaFleur. I'm missing like three or four of these guys, but uh, those were all the assistant coaches let alone Mike Shanahan at the top. Those guys devised a glorious offense for him. And then after that rookie season where he uh, broke his leg as bad as one can break it, and then because he went to dinners with recently exiting Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder, historically the worst owner in all of professional sports, you have dinner with him, and he said, you got to let me play in this game, man. I'm going to get in there, and then my leg's going to snap in half. And then he pulled all those coaches into their, to their office in the offseason and said, hey, y'all got to meet me here. And he had a whiteboard. He had a bunch of points how he was going to change all the protections. And he said, I listened to you all season. You got to listen to me. Allegedly. This is all alleged. But eyewitness reports were pretty reliable on this topic. And so he sat them down and told them how they had to change the offense, how Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan arguably – the greatest minds offensively in the history of football, save a couple other guys. How RG3, 22-year-old, was going to revamp the offense. And then he sucked forever. And now he's a bit of a goofball on TV, but he clipped out like a 14-second of Ben Roethlisberger talking about Lamar Jackson on Ben's podcast, of course, making sure that there was no context to the overall discussion and uh, so he could just kind of dunk on him because RG3, he's, he's a little bit of a goof that way. He had a, uh, he arranged during the national championship college game this year while he was reporting on the sideline, he arranged for a, a fake baby emergency which, uh, in which he was um, speaking on the sideline and 
picked up his phone and pretended to get a call from the hospital. Oh, the baby's coming. My wife says the baby's coming. I got to go. And then he ran all the way off the field and everyone has acknowledged since like, yeah, it was weird. It was kind of fake. So a little bit of a cornball, all right? He posted a clip of Ben saying that Lamar Jackson is an incredible athlete and quarterback, but teams don't fear him picking them apart from within the pocket. Um, not a, an absurd claim whatsoever. Um, people get so sensitive with, with athletic or running quarterbacks, whether it is Josh Allen or whether it's Lamar Jackson where, or Justin Fields. I hear a lot of Lamar or Justin Fields fans talk about what great throwers they are, and it's true. Like Their arm, like Lamar's got a killer arm, and he has many throws per game because Steelers fans don't want to acknowledge this, but he is a good thrower. Like he, he throws some crazy accurate balls, and he also um, can throw anticipatorily. He, he's good at that. But we're, you're talking about good. The bar is Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. So just if you're saying Lamar isn't a, 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 a scary threat from in the pocket, that doesn't mean you say, he, oh, he should be a receiver and he can't throw at all. It's like, no, 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 we're scared of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Like, there's a whole other group here, and Lamar's terrifying running. And so Ben's trying to make a big, uh, trying to make a point of that. Uh, but Lamar, uh, but RG3 clips it and says, hey, you, like, you shouldn't tear down Lamar. You might say, uh, yeah, he might not be as much of a threat from the pocket, but you shouldn't use his running ability to tear him down. And then he compared Lamar Jackson's stats to Ben Roethlisberger saying, he's a better pocket passer than you. And, and at that point, it's like, okay, well, just refer back to RG3's baby scare on the sideline and refer back to him teaching Kyle Shanahan how to run an offense and refer back to RG3 flaming out of the league in like five, six years. So. Uh, there is no story there beyond RG3 is doing a really good job on Twitter because he knows how to get those interactions because us Steelers fans see that and we're like, all right, let's throw up that clip of RG3 running out for a pass against the Steelers his rookie year on a flea flicker and Ryan Clark decapitating him. All right, moving on. Good. Speaking of uh, the Steelers playing against Washington, Pittsburgh Steelers minority owner Josh Harris, who also owns the 76ers, is nearing a $6 billion, a $6 billion deal to free the NFL and the city of Washington, D.C. from the shackles of Dan, Dan Snyder, the owner. Magic Johnson, Josh Harris are about to own the Washington Commanders or whatever they end up being called. I actually am down for another name change. I think that they should go back to football team. I love the football team moniker forever. It's hilarious, but it's also kind of cool. Sort of like a premier league sort of thing. It's a little bit new school. I'd also be down for the hogs, which is uh, another name that was, it was a name that was vetoed or overruled when they became the commanders. But uh, yeah, that'd be cool. So Washington DC has a spectacular fan base. That's where I grew up. That's where dad lives. They love football. It's just so hard with Washington. And I like Washington particularly because dad and I would watch the steel men on the big TV uh, downstairs. we got a small, like we got an upstairs and a downstairs. You can hear everything from every room there. And when I'm growing up, Steelers are doing nothing but winning Super Bowls constantly. And so we're downstairs watching the Steelers score touchdowns and decapitate people. Yeah. And you can hear my mom 
who's a loyal Washington fan upstairs watching on the small TV because Washington didn't have a lot to cheer about. And you just heard her saying, yes, yes, go, buddy, go, go. No, 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 no. As the other team would return fumbles for touchdowns and stuff like that. And no matter how much they sucked, my mom kept showing up to cheer for Washington. And so I grew to hate Dan Snyder, even though I wasn't a, a massive Washington fan. Watching her go through that made me a Washington fan. And then now that I'm older and I don't live in my hometown, I'm more, I'm even more fond of them that way. Of course, obviously Steelman always a priority, but would love for them to be good. And I think anyone can acknowledge it's an incredible fan base over there. You wouldn't think that if you're not familiar with the area, because you generally think like, Oh, the South is probably big, you know, football fans, the uh, small towns, obviously green Bay, th- those are going to be huge fans, but DC crab cakes and football. That's what, that's what DC does. Everybody across. And uh, it would be so cool to see them return to their former glory. It's insane to think that Washington was truly one of the five or six premier franchises before he got there. I mean, Super Bowl wins with multiple coaches, uh, three different quarterbacks. Like, they, they were just a great organization. It wasn't just, hey, we got an awesome team for a while. They were just awesome all the time. So it'd be awesome to see them return to that glory. And then in terms of the name change, I was thinking about this the other day. This is, it's a funny thing to think about. The commanders, people rip on the name. You can call them the commies. That's hilarious. I think it's pretty obvious that it, it's fine. It's not that big of a, na- a deal. Like, obviously, when you start thinking about the other names, like if they, if, if they had an expansion team and they called them the Bears, you'd be like, what? That is so just, that, that's just nothing. Like what a plain name. What if they call them the Bengals? Like there's no Bengals in Cincinnati. The uproar will be horrible, but for the time period, it worked. And then they get sort of grandfathered in. So I think the Commanders has a little bit of that vibe to it, but I think the football team has a a, a weirdly like modern acceptability to it. It was obviously a joke when they first named them that. I was all over it from the very beginning. I thought it actually sounded kind of cool. And then people turned around to it. And it's one of the rare times in modern history where fans rallied around a new name of a team. Oh, the Pelicans. Great. The Texans. Great. No one cares. The Panthers. Okay. Jaguars. All right. Just whatever. People like the football team. So I'd be down for that one, but the hogs might be an even better choice because I think it's critical that a team should have a name that has something to do with that geographical region or their history. And it would be a really cool nod to the history of the hogs, the, the Washington, <laughs> well said it, the Washington um, dominant offensive line and what their, their fans uh, dress up as. So that could be pretty cool too. So hopefully that happens and hopefully Washington's return to glory and we don't care because they're in the NFC. So that being said, draft is almost here. Thank goodness. Cannot wait. At Steelers Outpost on Twitter, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Hit us up. Thank you for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.